You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. If you will, take your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 3, Matthew chapter 3, and uh, we'll read uh, six verses beginning in verse number 1, Matthew chapter number 3. And in verse number one, the Bible says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And verse two, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem, then all Judea, and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Dan, and I'm looking forward to preaching this morning. And uh, I missed the drive-in service, and we'll be back on, Lord willing, next Sunday with that. And, of course, all of our regular uh, scheduled in-person services, but uh, I'm so glad we get to be together online this morning. You know, it was amazing. Um, I told Brother Nathan, actually it was last night when we really kind of made the decision about the services this morning, I said, why don't you get a couple of the videos uh, to play for special music, and that way we didn't have to have a lot more people trying to get in this morning. And uh, I did not tell you that I had planned that song through it all for Sunday school. And, you know, I just wonder, I wonder, if, I wonder if the Lord knew about that. I mean, just, it almost just makes you wonder, huh? I know he knew. And you know what? I think he knew we needed to hear it twice this morning. And I was thinking as I was watching Brother George singing that song, Brother George, you've been through a lot these last uh, uh, few months. But can I tell you, God's been faithful to you and you've been a blessing. And uh, I'm so glad that God is faithful uh, through it all. And so I appreciate the, the music. I appreciate uh, the, the fact that we get to be online. I did uh, update this morning. If you're not on our Facebook prayer group, I encourage you to, uh, to request to join that. It's a private group, especially because of prayer requests. We don't want that to be out there for the whole world for everything. But I will give you a couple of updates uh, this morning uh, be in prayer, if you would, for Miss Justice. She's been in the hospital, and she was not doing very well this morning. Yesterday was a little bit better day, but please pray for her. And then uh, Brother Warren Futrell uh, had to go into Duke for uh, emergency and had a blockage, and they were trying to get all that figured out. And as of this morning, he's been doing much better. He's still, we need to pray. But I'm thankful for God answering those requests. And a lot of folks we're praying for, and I hope you will continue to remember those folks in prayer. We're continuing our series this morning on John the Baptist. We talked about uh, before, uh, before COVID, uh, before COVID hit me, it wasn't before COVID hit, but before it hit me, we talked about John the Baptist and his birth. And what a, an amazing birth and the announcement that came of his birth. Then last week, we talked about how to be great in the sight of God. And John the Baptist was great in the sight of God. And we talked about how that came about. But I'd like for you to notice this morning in Matthew chapter 3, I'd like for you to notice John the Baptist's message. The first message that he preached, and I want you to see that that is a message that we still need today. As a matter of fact, 
we might need it more now than it's ever been needed in our country. You see, if you knew that you had one opportunity, you had one chance to share a message with this world, and maybe you were on a, a live television, you were broadcast across all the channels, and you were on Facebook, and you were on YouTube, and, and the whole world would be watching, I wonder what that message would be. It's an interesting thought, and maybe it's something to, 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 to spend some time thinking about and making sure that uh, what really matters in life is what really is important and what we are presenting to people. I read uh, online, I read some senior quotes that seniors, when they graduated from high school, they had one message that they could put, one shot in their yearbook that they could say how they wanted to be remembered, and I'll read you a few of these. They, uh, one student wrote, and I quote, he said, they asked me to write something, so here it is, something. And that's what he wrote in his yearbook. That was his senior quote. One senior wrote, he said, if idiots could fly, this place would be an airport. And that's what he put in his yearbook. One senior wrote, he said, I don't know, you can just put some quote in for me. Well, Apparently they did, and that's what they put right there. One senior wrote in his yearbook, the senior quote, and it was printed. By the way, these are yearbooks that were printed, okay? This was not just joking ahead of time. This actually went in the yearbook. One senior wrote, he said, when are our senior quotes due? <laughs> well, they were already due, and yours just got done. One wrote, he said, education is important, but big biceps are important-er. And uh, that was his senior quote. One senior, thank you for that amen from the sound booth from our, our, uh, our muscle man, Brother Caleb, or our, our English major, I'm not sure which one. Uh, I spent, one senior wrote, I spent 113,880 hours of my life for a piece of paper and a handshake. And that was his senior quote. Uh, and I guess he didn't think that that uh, diploma and that handshake was worth it at graduation. One said, remember, the more you weigh, the harder you are to kidnap. He said, stay safe and eat cake. And that kind of sounds good about now. Don't go, don't go to the refrigerator yet, but that's, uh, that sounds good. And then one senior wrote in his senior quote, here's how he was remembered. Here's how he went down in history at his school. He said, I want to thank Google, Wikipedia, and whoever invented copy and paste. Thank you very much. And that's how those seniors uh, were remembered. But can I tell you, that's not the way that I want to be remembered. And I know for obviously these seniors, they were trying to be funny. But you know, if you only had one message, if you only had one opportunity to share the truth with the world, what would you share? I want you to notice this morning, we're going to look at John the Baptist's message for the world. The message that he had that is recorded in Scripture as he was the forerunner for Christ, as he was leading the way for the Messiah to come on the scene. I want you to see his message, but first I want you to see his method. Notice how are we going to deliver a message? You may have a message, but if the message is not delivered, that message does not do a lot of good. God has used many different methods throughout history. God has used a burning bush. God has used a pillar of fire in the sky at night and a pillar of cloud during the day. God used a talking donkey. 
God used angels. By the way, the name angel literally means messenger. That's what angels were for. God used a star in the sky to lead the wise men to the Messiah. God sent his son, Jesus Christ himself, came to this earth to deliver a message. God used many other methods, but can I tell you, God's method for today, God's plan for today to deliver the message of the gospel is preaching. Notice what it says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. God has chosen preaching. Preaching is the answer. Preaching is God's plan. As a matter of fact, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The word preaching, it simply means to herald. It means to proclaim. Notice what it says about uh, John the Baptist. It says in verse number uh, three, this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, Isaiah said, John the Baptist, this messenger is coming and he is the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Now that's not crying boo-hoo. That's not crying tears of sorrow or tears of pain, but that is literally crying out. It is proclaiming. It is letting people know the message of the gospel. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, hold your place in Matthew chapter 3, but I want you to see what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about preaching. God has chosen preaching. God has ordained preaching. Preaching is God's plan. 1 Corinthians 1 Verse 17, the Bible says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, lest uh, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Notice verse number 21, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God, by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Verse 23, for we preach Christ crucified. Can I tell you God's plan is preaching. To the world, it seems like foolishness. To the unsaved crowd, it doesn't make sense. Can I tell you, it seems like that would not be the best way to get the message across, but it is the best way because it is God's way and it is the way that he has chosen. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul admonished Timothy. He said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. And they shall be turned unto fables. Can I tell you, friend, we don't need fables. We don't need fairy tales. We don't need a bunch of motivational speeches. But what we do need is to preach the word of God. We need the Bible. We need the scripture. We need it because it is God's inspired, inerrant, infallible. It is God's holy word. And it is profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction and for instruction in our righteousness. We don't need opinions. 
We don't need your philosophy. You don't need my philosophy. But what we do need is the preaching of the word of God. This world needs preaching. Our country needs preaching. The church of the living God needs preaching. We've gotten away from preaching. Now, I understand at our church, Victory Baptist Church, I'm thankful for the people that God has given us. And I'm thankful that Victory Baptist Church has had a history now for over 31 years of preaching. But may God help us to stay on course and may God help us to stay on track. A lot of churches, a lot of ministries, they've got a lot of programs. And I'm not against programs. We have programs. A lot of places have dramas, and I'm not against dramas. We have uh, different things and Christmas cantatas and musicals, and we have kids' crusades, and we'll have skits, and we'll have fun, and we'll have teen spectaculars, and, and I'm all for all those things. But those things do not replace the preaching of the Word of God. We need preachers that will preach. We need Christians that will listen. We need a church that will respond. We need senior saints. We need adults, we need teens, we need children that will receive the preaching and let the word of God change their lives. I can stand up here and I can preach till I'm blue in the face. I can stand on my head. I can do everything to try to get your attention. But can I tell you, we need spirit-filled preachers, but we need spirit-filled listeners. We need people of God who will come uh, to the preaching and come to the teaching of the Word of God, hungry and longing and yearning and prayed up for God to speak to them. We need preaching. That's the method that God has chosen. Secondly, I want you to see in this passage the messenger. And I want to make it very clear that the messenger is important, but the messenger is not nearly as important as the message. John the Baptist was the messenger. And by the way, I'm glad that God put it in here, verse number four. John the Baptist was a unique individual, to say the least. This guy was not normal. Notice what it says in verse four. The same John had his raiment of camel's hair, I don't know if he thought that was still in style or what. I've heard some preachers say, and I think this may be true, may some preachers say that John the Baptist was doing it because Elijah did it. And by the way, that'd be a good role model to have, a preacher like Elijah who wasn't afraid of Ahab and Jezebel and called fire down from heaven. But John the Baptist had his, his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins and his meat. Boy, I've known some people who eat some strange stuff, but this might take the cake right here. His meat, his food was locusts and wild honey. Now that honey sounds good, and I guess if you drown those locusts in enough honey, maybe they'll taste good. But John the Baptist was a unique individual. And maybe God placed that in Scripture just so that we know that it's not really the messenger that is nearly as important as the message of the Word of God. Every preacher is different. Some are old. Some are young. I'd like to think that I'm in the second category, but I think I'm getting into the uh, first category there. Some are tall, some are short. Some are big and some are small. Some are educated and some are not so educated. Some are very animated and some are more serious. But every preacher that is called by God, every preacher that preaches the Word of God, every preacher that has the touch of God on his life is someone that we need. We need preachers. Isaiah 6, 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. 
Jesus said to his disciples, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. Why was Jesus praying for laborers? Because he looked on the fields and he said, The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. It is my prayer in our church and it is my prayer in our youth group and it is my prayer in our children's ministries. It is my prayer that God will call some preachers. It is my prayer that God will call some preacher's wives. It's my prayer that God will call some missionaries. It's my prayer that God will call some young men and some young ladies to, to serve him. And can I tell you, God doesn't call everybody to serve him full-time as a preacher or a missionary, but God calls every one of us to serve him with our lives and with our all. I think about the preachers that I've had in my life, the pastors I've had. You know, they were all different. I think about the first pastor that I remember when I was born in Santa Clara, California. My pastor was Pastor Treber, and we moved when I was a year old, so I don't remember those sermons. I'm sorry, Pastor Treber. But the first pastor I remember was Pastor Melvin Swanson. He pastored the Berean Baptist Church in Rockford, Illinois for 58 years. I didn't say the church was there for 58 years. I said that man pastored that church himself. He was there, the senior pastor, for 58 years. Boy, I remember him getting up to preach. And I better not talk about length of sermons because I can tell that this one's going to be a little long if I don't cut it short. But he would get up and he would preach. Sunday mornings he would preach and usually there'd be a, a salvation message or uh, he'd go through and he would go through portions of scripture and he would preach and he would teach. And I remember sometimes he would thunder his voice on Sunday nights and sometimes every once in a while, not often, but boy, he'd hit that pulpit. And I remember him talking on Sunday nights about Jesus is coming back and that trumpet could sound at any moment. And I'll tell you, I'm thankful for that pastor that I had in my life for about 15 years. Then my pastor was my dad. My, pa my, my dad was my pastor, I, I'd say about 10 years. Some of that I was in college and I was back in the summers and all that. But my dad was my pastor and for four years I got to work with him. I got to be his assistant. You know, my dad was a different style, similar to Pastor Swanson, but he was different. Then I think about my pastor that I had while I was in college and then Joanna and I went out to work at Golden State Baptist College and Pastor Treber was our pastor for nine years while we were there on staff and he was my pastor for four years while I was in college and, and I, I still call him my pastor now that my dad is in heaven but I th I'm thankful for him, Pastor Treber and Brother Dan you know and you were there for years and Brother Nathan you were there in college and Brother Caleb, Miss Grace, you grew up there. That was your pastor your whole life but I tell you, he was different in personality from Pastor Swanson. He was different from my dad. I tell you, I remember those services at North Valley Baptist Church. I, I just, I love being in church. Now, but don't get me wrong. I love being a pastor. And I believe Victory Baptist Church is the greatest church in all the world. But I remember when I was working on staff at North Valley and Golden State Baptist College, I remember those services. I'd go in there and I didn't have to do anything. I just wanted to be in church and I'd soak up the preaching. And I remember the power of God that fell. And I remember seeing uh, revival meetings and services and, and big days and seeing people saved and baptized. And can I tell you, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for my father-in-law who was a pastor for 37 years. He's been in evangelism now for many years and he was an assistant even before he was a pastor. And I tell you, you want to talk about someone who is unique? Uh, Larry Brown, and you know we've had him here. Uh, that man, you never know what he's going to say or do. I've been in services with him where he has walked on the backs of the pews. He's not super coordinated. He's not super athletic, 
But you'd think so, seeing him walk across those pews. I've seen him standing up on the pulpit. I've seen him with an axe, a real live sharpened axe in a service, busting up a television. You don't think that's unique? You don't, you don't see that every Sunday, I'll promise you that. But here's what I'm saying. I'm thankful for those men of God. I'm thankful for my youth pastor, Brother Mark Swanson. He'll be with us here in a few months. He was my youth pastor. I remember sitting in Sunday school classes. I remember being in the teen group, and I remember while he would teach and preach, I remember just feeling the presence of God in that place, and I'm thankful that I've had some pastors, and I'm thankful I've had a youth pastor. I'm thankful that I've had some men of God in my life who have had the touch of God and they delivered the message and they didn't get in the way and they didn't try to make it about them. They said, God is using me and I'm going to deliver the message of the word of God. Number one, the method. Number two, the messenger. But thirdly, let's talk about the message. The message here in Matthew chapter three and verse number two, I want you to notice the first word of the message. The first word that John the Baptist preaches is the word repent. He preaches repentance here in Matthew chapter 3. It's interesting because when Jesus begins to preach in Matthew 4, 17, the first word of Jesus is the word repent. Now here's what's amazing. That's what John the Baptist started preaching. That's what Jesus started preaching. But that's not a message we hear very much about today. We don't hear too many preachers preaching about sin. And we don't hear too many preachers preaching and saying you got to repent. But I, can I tell you, that's the message that the world needs to hear. That's what John the Baptist preached. That's what Jesus preached. That's what the Word of God teaches, that we must repent. Repent means to have a change of mind. It means to turn from our sin and turn to God. Jesus came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. The message of today is mostly positive. The message of today, if you turn on the television or you turn on the radio, it's usually sweet. It's usually motivational. John the Baptist didn't get that memo. Look at verse number seven. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, he saw the religious crowd coming and he said unto them, oh, generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? I'll tell you, John the Baptist didn't know anything about being popular and being well-liked and being man of the year, but John the Baptist knew something about preaching the message that God had given him. We need some John the Baptist. We need some preachers that will preach repentance. Revelation chapter 2, the letters to the churches, it says, repent and do the first works. Remember from whence thou art fallen. Revelation 2, 16, repent or I will come to thee quickly. Revelation 2.21, I gave her space to repent of her fornication and she repented not. Revelation 3.3, remember, hold fast and repent. Revelation 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Those are messages to the churches in Asia Minor. And those messages are messages that say you got to get right with God. you got to turn from your sin. You've got to repent and you got to get your eyes on Jesus and get your eyes off of yourself. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is God's plan, that people repent. 
Repentance is not a change of mind because you got caught. Repentance is a change of mind because you realize how bad your sin is. Because you realize that we are wicked. You realize that we are sinful. You realize that it is our sin that put Jesus on the cross. You realize that it is your sin and my sin that breaks the heart of God. You see your sin like God sees your sin. In the Old Testament, when people would fall under conviction from the preaching of the Word of God, many times they would put on sackcloth. Sackcloth is like a burlap material. And they would put on that sackcloth and they would put upon their heads and upon their bodies and they would sit in ashes. It was a sign of humility. It was a sign of repentance to say, uh, I'm wicked and I deserve judgment and I deserve the wrath of God, but I'm begging God to show me mercy. I think about that sackcloth, that sackcloth that they would put on. If you've ever had, by the way, we are so spoiled today. We've got so many materials that are so comfortable. Isn't it amazing how spoiled we are? There's certain things we're like, ah, that's not quite as comfortable as this or whatever. But that sackcloth was not comfortable. That sackcloth would irritate. That sackcloth would itch your skin. It would bother you. You would be constantly aware of it. And can I tell you, that sackcloth ought to be a reminder to us of what our sin does to God. Did you know our sin bothers God? Did you know our sin irritates God? Did you know our sin is the very thing that sent Jesus to the cross and on the cross while Jesus had upon himself the sin of the world? God the Father turned his back and Jesus cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why did he have to go through all that? Because of our sin. Because we would not repent. Because we would not uh, get right with God. And so Jesus came. He became the sacrifice for our sin. That if we would repent, we could have forgiveness. We could have eternal life. Can I tell you, we need some brokenness over sin. Most people today, they're not broken over their sin. Most people today, they boast about their sin. Most people are not repenting of sin. Most people are trying to recruit others for their sin. We could be here all day. I, 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 I just started alphabetical and I just got a, a few A's and we could be here all day, of course. I don't know what your sin is. and You don't know what my sin is, but the Holy Spirit of God sure does. And you know what we need to do with our sin? We need to repent. We need to fall on our faces before God and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sin. And God, I'm sorry for breaking your heart. And God, I'm sorry for the pain that my sin has caused to you. And God, I'm confessing it and I'm getting it right today. Maybe your sin is alcohol. Can I tell you what we need to do? Not boast about it, not brag about it, not act like it's not a big deal. We need to repent. Maybe your sin is an affair or adultery. And can I tell you, the Bible still says thou shalt not commit adultery. It's still sin. Doesn't matter if the world glorifies it. Doesn't matter if television shows act like it's a, it's a great thing. It is still sin in the eyes of God. What about abortion? Can I tell you, I cannot, I cannot even imagine. I cannot even fathom. How a person who has been born again, a person who has been saved by the grace of God, I cannot imagine how a person who has been saved would, would justify or would excuse something like the murder of innocent babies. But can I tell you, as a nation, we need to repent. As a nation, we need to get back to God. As a matter of fact, not only have we normalized it, but we're funding it. 
I read this week, I hope it's not true. I read this week, we're not only funding it here, but we are now funding worldwide abortions. Can I tell you? God, have mercy upon us and may we repent of our sin. I think about the sin of arrogance. I think about the sin of arrogance that has infiltrated our churches. I think about the sin of arrogance where we think we're better than somebody else and we've got our nose stuck up in the air and we act like we've got it all figured out. Friend, may God forgive us for our pride and may God forgive us for our arrogance and may we humble ourselves before God. I think about the sin of apostasy. Can I tell you, I've seen people and you've seen people that used to believe this book and used to love God and used to serve God and they've turned from the truth and they've been turned to error. May God help us to repent and get right with God and come back to God. Can I tell you the message of John the Baptist, the message of Jesus, the message of the Bible is to repent. I don't know what sin you have in your life, but can I tell you we're all sinners? We all come short of the glory of God. We all need to repent uh, on a daily basis. Most of us probably on an hourly basis. Sometimes every minute I'm sure there's times where we just need to say, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry for saying that. I'm sorry for thinking that. I'm sorry for doing that and get right with God. But then I see the motivation. The motivation, why? Why should we repent? What's the urgency? What's the hurry? Why does it matter? Notice Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what that means? It means that the time is almost over. The time of your life, the time of my life is almost over. Death is coming. Uh, Jesus is coming. The rapture could happen at any moment. It is so close that we must not put it off. You say, oh, pastor, I'll repent later. Oh, really? How long you been saying that? How long you been making that excuse? When's the time going to come when you're going to repent? You might wait until it is too late. You see, Jesus is coming, but judgment is certain. If you're listening today and you're not saved, can I tell you, you need to repent of your sin. You need to trust Christ as your Savior. If you do not trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will someday stand before a great white throne judgment. And at the great white throne judgment, it's too late for repentance. There's nobody at that judgment that's going to say, oh God, I'm sorry, I, I, I should have done it earlier. Oh no, it's too late. Your time will be up and, and the books will be open and whosoever was not found written in the book of life will be cast into a lake of fire. The motivation, I believe, is Jesus is coming. The motivation is that judgment is certain. But thirdly, I believe the motivation is that joy is continuing. The Bible says in Luke 15 that there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. You know, when sinners get saved, when sinners repent of their sin and turn to God, there is joy. There is rejoicing in heaven. And can I tell you, that ought to be motivation so that sinners can be saved and people can be born again and people can know Christ as their Savior. Say, well, what happens if people do not repent? The Bible says in Luke 13, 3, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Say, Pastor, that's pretty harsh. That's pretty brutal. It is. But I'm just a messenger. And the message that I'm bringing you today is a message from the Word of God. God 
wants you and God wants me to repent. Number one, if you're not saved, you need to repent of your sin and you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Secondly, if you have been saved, but maybe you're saved, you're born again, you're on your way to heaven and praise God for eternal security. I'm thankful for that. But maybe you're living a life that's not right with God. And the Holy Spirit's convicting you. We're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about having unconfessed sin. But can I tell you, maybe for you, you say, well, I've been saved, so I'm good. Yes, you're good. You're going to heaven. But can I tell you, God's got a wonderful, abundant, joyful, victorious life that you could be living and you could be making a difference for eternity if you would just get right with God. If you would just today, right where you're at, at your home or in the car, or maybe you're uh, uh, on break at, at work, if you would just right there, bow your head and pray and say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. And God, I pray that you would forgive me. I pray that you'd help me to get back on track. Help me to get back to what I know is right from the word of God. You see, the motivation is this. If there were no chance of people repenting, if it was a waste of time, if it really wasn't going to make a difference, I don't think God would have sent John the Baptist. I don't think Jesus would have had to come if it wasn't going to make a difference. But can I tell you, it made a difference in my life. I'm glad that I got saved. I'm glad that my dad shared with me the message of the Bible, the message of repentance. And for you, you can do the same. You're, you're listening and you say, I've been saved, but there's something in my life that's not right. There's some sin that right now the Holy Spirit is convicting me about. I got good news for you. You don't have to carry that weight. You don't have to carry that regret. You don't have to carry that burden. You can repent. You can confess your sin. You can get right with God and you can have peace again. And you can know the joy of walking with God and having a relationship with God that is real and that is genuine, and that is sweet. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.